aiming for the moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I'm Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we're interviewing interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. Today, we will be interviewing Mr. Steve Rice, who's a fellow podcast host of the Landing Pad podcast and an entrepreneurship teacher in a local STEM boarding school in Arkansas. So, here's the interview. Well, welcome, Mr. Rice, to our podcast. It's great to have you on. So for all of our listeners, Mr. Rice is a local teacher at an Arkansas school and also the host of the Landing Pad podcast, which is another awesome podcast for all of you podcast listeners. So yeah. It's so great to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. I'm excited, excited for this. Oh yeah, no problem. It's fun to have you on. So could you please tell our listeners what exactly the Landing Pad podcast does and how you got involved in podcasting? Sure, absolutely. So it actually is started many years ago. I moved to Arkansas about seven years ago. And when I moved here, um, it took me a bit to get connected to the community. And as I, as I got connected to the community, I, I found so many cool people doing cool things, kind of like y'all do, you know, like, but people are kind of hidden away doing really cool projects or building cool businesses or starting cool nonprofits. And another thing I noticed, even though these things were kind of hidden occasionally, you know, I'd find people doing really cool things that I was interested in. I also saw that um, we as Arkansans, sometimes um, like the way we talk to ourselves about ourselves is kind of self-deprecating or almost like it can be a downer on us. And as a non-native Arkansan, I, I was like, this is really strange. Like there's so many amazing things that have come out of Arkansas and the state of Arkansas has impacted the global economy in multiple industries and multiple segments. And we've had, of course, presidents and governors and all of the po- politics and, and nonprofits that have impacted the world on a global scale, Heifer International, Winrock, all of these things. And, and so I began to think, man, if and when I were to ever leave Arkansas, I want to leave it better than I came. And so my, the podcast wasn't even a thought then, but over the years I've kept thinking that and everything I've done was to try to leave Arkansas better than I found it. And then right before the quarantine in March, this idea popped in my head. And so I thought, what if I created a venue to highlight the stories of people like me? non-native Arkansans, what our experiences are, how we, you know, move to the state, what brought us here and why we stay. Because I think it's a unique perspective that maybe some native born Arkansans don't have. And so that was the initial idea. And my hope is that I can build a body of work right now. I'm about 25 episodes in, um, but I want to build a repository essentially of these stories that other organizations, other, um, Arkansans can use as inspiration. That's awesome. So as we mentioned in our intro, mm-hmm. along with doing your podcast and getting all this, um, at this basically archiving these Arkansan stories, you're also, you're also an educator and you work mm-hmm. as a teacher and entrepreneur or teacher. What made you want to be an educator, uh, especially in Arkansas? 
So it, it's, it's funny because when I got the job, I work at the Arkansas School of Math, Science and the Arts, um, which is a residential high school for juniors and seniors in their final two years of high school. Um, so they, they move to campus and live on campus and it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. It is a public high school, so it's a great opportunity for any um, Arkansas student. But honestly, I, although I come from a family of educators, I never expected to be in education. And at the time, I was actively planning to leave Arkansas. I was planning to move to Denver when I got the job at ASMSA. What I found is that Arkansas has this way of producing opportunities that are disproportionate to other places from my perspective. And so Arkansas has offered me professional opportunities, personal opportunities, the, the network and the people that I've met here in Arkansas, the access to amazing people that I have been able to build relationships with here is just um, unique. It's just really special. And so I was actually approached by uh, who is now a colleague, um, uh, a Facebook acquaintance who said, we're hiring an entrepreneurship teacher and you should consider it. And I said, I looked at this listing. I don't want it. Um, but we began a conversation about what the school was looking to do. And so um, I was hired on to build out a, a program there in entrepreneurship, and we've been able to really hone that into a very unique experience. And so students are able to really get an experience of developing a business idea and taking that through testing the idea and doing research in order to prove viability of the business before they actually launch it. Um, and the culmination of that is um, an opportunity to compete in the Arkansas Governor's Cup business plan competition. This is a college level business plan competition. Um, and our students have been able to compete in that the last two years and have placed in the finals of that. Um, so it's been really cool to see what Arkansan, you know, these up and coming talent, these are the, the young people like y'all's age that are about to head out into the workforce and they're having competitive business ideas, you know, at 16, 17 years of age that are just really astounding. And so, um, of course, I'm professionally proud of that, but it's really exciting to be able more than uh, an, an accomplishment. It's really exciting as, a, as an educator to be able to collaborate with sharp young minds. And that's been a lot of fun. So that's awesome. That's awesome. So you're impacting Arkansas through not only having your podcast mm -hmm. and archiving stories, but also by having impression on kids our age, teenagers our age, who are building business plans and stuff like that. That's my hope is that, that they're able to, and the curriculum is built so that whether or not, and I tell my students, whether or not you ever start a company, I want to make you employable for life. And so I want to give you skills that will allow you, yes, to start your own business if that's your ambition, but even if you join someone else's or a nonprofit, that you understand these components of how an organization functions and you're able to hit the ground running. Um, and I've seen that now as my students are starting to graduate and go on to college, they're accomplishing great things beyond my classroom, which is really encouraging. That is really awesome. So um, during the pandemic, I'm guessing that you've been teaching online, is that correct? 
Uh, at the end of last semester, we did um, like the final month and a half virtually. And this year, starting out in, in a couple weeks, I'll be teaching one class that is in person and then one that's completely virtual. So I'm kind of, you know, tipping my feet and you know, my toes in, in both sides and both waters. But um, I'm preparing to, and one of the pieces of advice I had for my colleagues in education is to prepare virtual first. Um, if you think of like software development, sometimes people talk about mobile first. You design software or a website for the mobile environment. And so I've been very, um, I guess, intentional to kind of build out my courses this year for a, a virtual environment, whether or not they start off virtual. That way, if we have to pivot, I'm prepared because last, last semester, of course, none of us knew what was coming and none of us were prepared. And so that's kind of my intention. Well, thanks so much for that because the school year was very interesting online. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> That's what I tell the students. I said, y'all are losing your minds. We're, we're in it with you. Like, just because we're the teachers doesn't mean we have this figured out. And, and I, I just got off um, you know, a, a conference with my colleagues at ASMSA and we've spent a lot of time really talking about this. How are we going to do this? How can we do it best and how can we really you know, help our students not to fall behind, but to excel during this time. So it's a, it's a challenge for everybody. It is. So speaking of virtual and online stuff, what do you think are the top difficulties of teaching online? And do you think there's a way to solve them? And if so, how? Ooh, those are a lot of big questions. We could, there's experts all over the country and the world really looking at this. I think the obvious things, first of, of all, the disconnectedness, um, the dependence on a, a tool like Zoom or Google Meet or some of these other tools that are great tools, but I've, I've been experiencing this myself. I told my boss, this is really giving me a lot of empathy for my students. The last three days, I've been in Zoom meetings pretty much back to back for eight hours a day, and it's exhausting. And I realize when I'm thinking as an educator, I always try to center my, my work around the student and the student outcome. And so when I think about what do my students need from me that's most vital, um, it comes down to, of course, course content. What am I teaching them? But then how do they use it and how can I help them to think about what they're learning in a different way. So for example, one of the things, one of the courses I'm teaching is a communications course, essentially a speech class. Well, most speech classes, you stand up at the front of the class, you learn you know, things about like, how do I approach the stage? How do I lead the stage? How do I hold my hands? How do I gesture? All of these things. How do I you know, write a speech? How do I deliver it? But if it's all virtual, all I have is a little box in front of me and somebody's face. And so I have to think about what are the core skills that I need a student to learn? Of course, they need to be able to speak effectively and communicate their ideas. That's the basis. But then as an educator, I looked at, okay, instead of you know, teaching them about stage presence and poise, we'll learn those things, but I'm gonna be teaching them things about um, how to how to convey their ideas virtually how to look into the camera and talk to the camera 
as their audience as opposed to looking around the room. Because typically in a classroom, I would say, you know, use eye contact and look around the room. But in this case, how do you look into a camera and how do you communicate and how do you monitor your vocal inflection, all of those things. Um, and so it's just really about thinking, how do I equip, equip students with the skills they need to be successful? Um, but those are the challenges. It, it really, you ask about solutions. I, I think it comes down to innovation and creativity. These are really, for, my, for me, probably once in a lifetime challenges, once in a generation challenges. I mean, we had, you know, the outbreak of, of the um, Spanish flu in the, in the 19, early 1900s, 1918, 1919, um, but it's been 100 years. And so these, figuring this out is not gonna be a snap. We don't go back to just some magic normal. Um, and so I think adjusting to that and being realistic and saying, okay, what do I need students to learn and what's going to help them with whatever normal is on the back end? And that requires me to demonstrate those things, which is flexibility, the ability to adapt, adaptability, um, all of these skills that this is a great opportunity for, for teachers if we don't get too scared and too um, paralyzed, I guess, by, by the overwhelming situation. Um, you just, for me, I just have to break it down and really um, try to be as creative as possible. So basically it comes down to, uh, it depends on the class, really the difficulties mm -hmm. that you're doing. Oh, sure, yes. And class then, by class is different, for sure. Because if you're, if you're a biology teacher, how do, you, how do you have a biology lab virtually? Like, you know, that's, that's a whole new set of challenges. And that's why I say the underlying solution is innovation and creativity. What am I trying to teach the students beyond just how to dissect a frog or how to do a certain, um, you know, chemical process or, or whatever it is I'm trying to teach? What do I want them to observe? What do I want them, how do I want them to think? What do I want them to, to uh, learn? So That's then, yes, yeah, so then the difficulties um, are fixed by then how you do your teaching strategy, basically. Yeah, it's, it's really what are the tools available to me and how can I be most creative? How can I think outside the box? Um, another thing is when I look at the tools I have, what are the tools that aren't visible or that I don't think of right away? For example, one of the tools I'm using in my course virtually is a software called OBS. It's online broadcast software. And it's an open source software that was developed on, you know, basically on the internet. But it allows me to produce my class like a show. So I can have different camera angles and different, I can immediately by just some hotkeys on my keyboard, I can pull up my desktop and scroll on websites or I can look things up, I, sh I can show videos, I can have overlays where I can put my, you know, my picture over a PowerPoint presentation and I can, you know, teach something to my students. Um, and then combining that with tools that are engagement tools like say Quizlet or Gim, uh, um, what is it? Uh, I forgot the name of it, but um, yeah, GimKit. There's different tools that you can use, um, Pear Deck, others that, that, are, that are teaching tools, but how do I integrate that? And, and really OBS is highly used in, on Twitch, which is for gamers. And so you would never think of that as, oh, a teaching tool, but by recognizing, oh, I could use this in a different environment, 
um, again, it goes back to innovation and creativity. What do I see in my world around me and how can I bring that to serve myself and my students? So yeah, that sounds really interesting and really cool. That's awesome. So back onto entrepreneurship. So yes, what do you think are the top three skills or characteristics that make a good entrepreneur? Ooh, this is totally my opinion. And I, I have to say there's probably, I know there are studies out there of, of, of characteristics of entrepreneurs. I think one of the, one of the most important is persistence. Um, one of my beliefs is that if I don't quit, I win. That's just in life. Like if I don't quit and I get to the end, I win. Um, Cause I'm going to get there eventually anyway, we all are. But um, if you don't quit, you win. So I think persistence is a big one. I also think that ability to look quickly to process your emotions when uncertain things happen, like a global pandemic, like, you know, economic collapse, like losing your job. If you can very quickly experience those emotions and not kind of not try to you know suppress them but experience what you're experiencing process what what is going on look at what's real and what's true for so many and I still hear this people talk about this pandemic um, I can't wait till we get back to normal I was at the dentist's office this morning and and the um, the the dental hygienist said oh I can't wait till we're back to normal and I can do da 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 and I I don't know what normal is or will be. Um, you all weren't um, around for 9-11, but I remember that when that happened that morning, I was driving to work and that clearly changed our world. Um, before I could take friends to the airport and walk up to the gate and watch the plane take off. We don't do that anymore. And that's normal now. Like you, you don't, you drop them off at the front door and they go through TSA and all that. So I think these types of things, if you can process if you can process things that are happening, good or bad in your world, then you can also begin to look for opportunity. And I think that's important for entrepreneurs to recognize when something happens, when school closed down, I began to quickly look for, okay, what do I need to do to get through this semester? Now, then in the summer, I was looking at like, what are the opportunities for me? And one of the things I was looking for is how can I develop myself so that I'm the best virtual teacher that's possible for me to be? Not somebody else or, you know, comparing myself to someone else, but what's the best, what are the things I can do that are going to make me more effective? Um, and so I think for entrepreneurs, that's important because you have to be able to see opportunity and you have to be able to persist through um, negativity and, and um, basically failure. You know, you have to be able to take failure and that's hard. That is, that's definitely great characteristics that you need to have in an entrepreneur. So mm -hmm. on the same note, so you're a part of the board of directors for the Arkansas Economic Acceleration Foundation, mm -hmm. which is the organization that arranges the YES business competition. So mm -hmm. actually last year, I actually entered the competition in the third cool. investment marketing. So how did you Excellent. get involved in the YES competition? Um, I had been, before I was teaching, I was involved with um, what are called ESOs. They're entrepreneur support organizations. There's lots of them around Arkansas and different types of entrepreneur support organizations. But there's a community of organizations and people that are supporting entrepreneurs and small business development 
here in Arkansas. And so it's a, it's a small community. It, it, that's a great thing about Arkansas. We are essentially, if we talk long enough, we're going to find that we have connections and we know somebody who knows somebody or we went, you know, somebody's mom went to school with somebody's brother. You know, it's, there's, there's all these connections. And so um, I was just active in the community and the, the foundation approached me and asked if I would be interested in serving on the board um, and I, I just completed the first year and um, have, will serve on the board for another year. Um, but we, we oversee the, the YES uh, competition as well as the Governor's Cup competition and others. But it's just a great opportunity to be able to now in my position as an educator to bring my perspective of those competitions um, to and actually do volunteering. I this year was able to volunteer for the yes competition um, And so there's a lot of great work that's done through Arkansas Capital Corporation, which Arkansas Capital Corporation actually helps um, Businesses get off the ground accessing capital and startup capital specifically and they're a great organization that's been around for for years and done a lot of great work in Arkansas and and have um, spawned a lot of great companies. And so um, it's really cool to be able to plug into that kind of a legacy. So yeah, the YES competition is an amazing opportunity and it was one of the best experiences of my life. So on to our final two questions. So mm -hmm. what books have had an impact on you and why? So this is a tough question because I'm an avid reader and have been for most of my life. So when I think about the books that have had an impact, there's hundreds. Um, but when I think specifically for your audience, there's two or three books that pop to mind. Um, and I think one of those that I read early on in my probably right in high school or right out of into college time was a book by a man who was a Holocaust survivor named Viktor Frankl. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And then I think a follow-up, Man's Ultimate Search for Meaning. And he was, I believe, a psychiatrist in, um, and was captured and I think he was put in Dachau or Auschwitz. And um, he survived, but a lot of his family did not. And he noticed as he was there in that horrific environment that some people died outside of the just happenstance of, you know, a guard getting mad and shooting you. Like there were certain people, if you survived the, or the kind of chaos of just the situation, there were certain people that just decided they were done and they died quickly and others that decided they were gonna live and they lived. And he developed a whole kind of, I guess a, a, a arm or a, a kind of a branch of, of psychological thinking around this. Um, but one of the things in that book that really stuck out to me, he says, he says um, and I'm gonna read this quote because it's so good in the words he said, he said, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So he basically says, when something happens to you, you have an opportunity, there's some space, even if it's an instantaneous thing, there's a space. And in that space is your opportunity to choose how you're gonna respond. And your growth and freedom is tied into how you respond negatively or positively. 
And that was powerful for me as a young person to recognize I get to choose. Um, for the rest of my life, I get to choose what things mean. Um, and that helped. Um, one of the other things he says is that a human being is a deciding being. Um, and I think it's very powerful, especially knowing where his perspective came from. And so that's one book um, that had an impact. Tied to that or similar is one later called Mindset by Carol Dweck. She's a researcher, I believe, at either Stanford or Harvard. Um, and it's the idea of you can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And you have the opportunity to switch in and out of those perspectives in life. And then probably another one that's more popular, kind of popular culture book is Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, and it's the idea that you should start any project with why you want to do it. What is your purpose? What is the meaning? And then you go to the strategy and the tactics and the how. Those sound like amazing books. I'll have to definitely check those out. Yeah. And they're, they're accessible to anyone in your audience. Um, at this age, they're, they're not too difficult or too deep. Okay, great. That's awesome. So our final question is mm -hmm. obviously the, for all of our listeners. Um, we ask this one every single time and we usually always end on this one. Um, so Mr. Rice, what advice do you have for teenagers? Great, a great question. Here's a quick and I'll kind of bullet point them um, because they're kind of all tied together. Um, number one, try lots of things. When you're young, try it all. If you like to paint, paint. Or if you don't know you like to paint and you want to paint, paint. If you want to write a book, write a book. If you want to write a computer program, write a computer program. Try a lot of things. Um, this is the time between high school, college, you know, for the next six to eight years to try as many things as possible. Um, and tied to that is number two, which is self-awareness is currency. Self-awareness, understanding what you like, what you don't like, why you like it, what environments you like it, you know, especially when you think about a career or, you know, what college you want to go to, what environment you want to study in, or, you know, those types of things. The more you know about yourself, the more empowered you are. So self-awareness is, it's like money, it's a currency, and it will, it will the greater level of self-awareness, the better decisions you'll make and the more resilient you'll be in life. Um, number three is, is if you don't know what to do, follow your curiosity. A lot of people get tied up, and I did this for almost 12 years, uh, tied up, focused on what is my passion? What is my purpose? If you follow your curiosity, you will someday probably wake up in the middle of something you're passionate about, and you'll find, your, you'll find a purpose. You'll find a meaning in that. You'll, you'll to Victor Frankl's point, you'll decide, oh, I really love that. I'm going to go find a job that does that or whatever. So um, follow your curiosity. And then the fourth kind of final piece of advice would be take the next visible step. If you don't know what to do, there's always one visible step. And don't worry about, you know, oh, how I'm going to get to the destination oh, I'm going to check out this book at the library today and I'm going to read that. Or I'm going to watch this YouTube series on how to do this. Or I'm going to learn how to write, you know, basic HTML commands or whatever it is that you're interested in. Take the next visible step. Um, and, 
And finally, the biggest piece of advice I have for students that I tell all of my students, which you all have a running head start on this, is make your work visible. Find something. If you want to get an internship, go create a project and do a project. Start a podcast, write a movie script, um, paint something, draw something, write an album, you know, produce, produce some music, whatever it is, uh, write a piece of software, develop something that, and then make that visible to the outside world. That's how, honestly, we got connected. You said you, you, uh, I followed you all on Twitter. You got, you saw what I was doing and you're like, oh, that would be a great, uh, a great guest to have on the show. That's how this can work in your favor. If you will make your work visible, other people will notice, especially if you do remarkable work, always with the highest level of excellence that you can do. And this is, I had not planned to say this, but it popped into my head. Instead of searching for perfection, always strive for excellence because your level of excellence will be different at different times in your life. You, you'll be tired some days, you'll be sick some days, but you can always be excellent to the level that you're able to at that time, and that's good enough. Um, if you do things with excellence, your passion and your drive will be evident, and that's what people hire for, that's what people want to, that's the types of people, those are the types of people that others want to surround themselves with. Um, so I applaud the two of you for taking the ambition beyond just the suggestion of, oh, we should start a podcast, but to go to buy the microphones and to book the, the guests and to actually put it out in the world. Brava, brava, brava. Thank you. So basically you have several bullet points of advice and they're mm -hmm. all awesome and they all tie together to basically think broad and follow your curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks so much for your time, Mr. Rice. awesome getting to interview a fellow podcast host. Definitely. So like we said in the interview, Mr. Rice is the host of the Landing Pad podcast, which explores what it means to be an Arkansan through the eyes of non-natives who have come to love the natural state. It's a great podcast. It really is. And you can find that podcast wherever you find our podcast. And it, we, I've been listening to it actually on my own, not because he's told us to. And it's great. It's actually really good. Mm -hmm. oh, it kind of explores a lot of our, like, as he said, like he said, a lot of our Kansans um, have, a, like, they kind of, when they say they're from Arkansas, they don't say it is necessarily a great thing. Like, I found myself saying that, like, I'm from Arkansas and kind of like expecting people to be like, oh, okay. And, but he's trying to reverse that and show that Arkansas is a great state. It really is cool. And his main reason that he said for getting involved in podcasting is to show people, to make an impact in Arkansas, like you said, Maddie, um, basically to show people that being from Arkansas is good. And the other thing is that he's an educator, and that's another way that he can just make an impact on people a little bit older than us, the, I believe the juniors and the seniors who go to that boarding school. Yeah, he's an entrepreneur educator, and just he's he, well, the way he talked about his teaching and what his advice on all that, he sounds like an amazing teacher. He really does. The other thing he talked about was because we're in a pandemic now, and even though it's been going on for like six months or whatever, <laughs> 2020, great year, everyone. <laughs> um, we talked about online teaching and how the difficulties and ways to solve them. 
basically said that it depends on the classroom you're in. And if you're a biology teacher, well, how do you do a biology class over Zoom, Zoom. Or, or whatever you're doing? Um, yeah. And the difficulties are different for each class, and so are the solutions. So I thought that was really interesting because it gives us a perspective into what it's like to be a teacher and everything. Yeah, he told us what he's been doing and that he's, I think he's doing a great job. But like he said, I actually had to debate multiple times over Zoom and I found that really difficult. But yes, it's been, no one was prepared for going on Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) No, no one was. So he teaches entrepreneurship and he talked a little bit about what makes a good entrepreneur and that was awesome. And the other thing that he talked about was, um, well, Maddie brought it, was the YES competition that she was a part of. Yes, so the YES competition for any of you entrepreneurs out there who want to kind of evolve your business, I would definitely recommend um, checking that out because it is a great opportunity. You'll submit business plans and then they'll pick 30 finalists and then you'll go and have a booth in a certain area and just kind of show your business to all of these people that are coming to like the fair and examine your business. And it's a great way to earn money, which, (laughs) um, and also just to kind of get a real life experience on how that happens. And I love that he's a part of that because it was really fun. Yes, it is. It is really cool. And Maddie won third place in marketing when she participated. So that's yeah. awesome. I loved, I love marketing. So now we move on to our next two questions, which are the ones that we always ask everyone. And I always tell everyone that we always ask them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll let Maddie talk about the books. Oh, yeah. So he recommended a lot of great books and I'll definitely go through. I bet he, he like recommended like six or something, but I'll go through and hopefully find one that would be a great one for Maddie's opinion. But I would definitely go and check those out. He's, it sound, they sound like amazing books. And the last thing, which we always end on every single podcast, is our um, advice. And it was, it was really great. He basically had his bulletin points or bullet po- whatever you say. <laughs> bullet points. Bullet points. And he said, try lots of things. And I thought that was awesome because especially when we're our age, you don't just want to pinpoint something that you're a little bit interested in. I think you're definitely going to miss out on the wider world. And actually, we've been seeing a trend in all of, a lot of our podcasts, um, our interviews and stuff where people are saying, especially to our age, try lots of things, or you're going to do something that you might not always like, or you're just going to miss out on a lot of stuff. Just, just try. There's no harm in trying. <laughs> yeah, and his other thing was self-awareness is currency. So what do you like? Find out what you like and use that to your advantage. Yes. And then the next thing is if you don't know what to do, follow your curiosity. I love that one because a lot of the times I don't know what to do, but everyone has natural places where their curiosity is placed. Like, how does this work? Or what is going to happen here? How can this be improved? And just, just follow that. And you'll, it might lead you just to something you love to follow your passion. Yes, that was really cool. And then going on with um, the, his other thing was advice was, Take the next visible step, which when you're following your curiosity, passion, whatever you want to call it, you don't want to just, well, how do I become a professional music artist? Well, that's a very hard thing to get to. (laughs) Definitely. Maybe maybe the thing is um, participate in the school's music competition or whatever. And his quote was, don't worry about the destination. Just take the next step. I thought that was really cool. It's a great quote. And then his last piece of advice was to make your work visible. 
And I thought that was great advice. And he said, instead of searching for perfection, strive for excellence, which is so true. It is. And sometimes I'll be searching for perfection, especially on these podcast episodes, editing-wise. And it just, it's a great, it takes a lot of um, weight off when you, when you remember that quote. I think it's awesome. Just do your best. You're not going to get it perfect every time. Just do your best. Believe me. Depending on how many podcast recordings you take of this. <laughs> All right. So on to our announcements. Um, everyone should definitely check out our website, which is aimingforthemoon.com. All one word or whatever you want to do with the podcast, the URLs, whatever. And we've been doing a lot of episodes. We've been recording a lot of interviews. And yeah, we've been just, you know, posting about these people. If you want to check out their websites, about their books, there's a lot of cool stuff there. Definitely. You should go and check that out. And then a big piece of announcement that we actually have is like everyone knows, summer is coming to an end and school is about to start. And with school about to start, we've decided that we're going to have a different like episode release like schedule. So instead of having our episodes come out every single week, we're going to do it every other week. So we'll have two episodes come out a month. So if an episode doesn't come out uh, like it usually does, just know that we've changed our schedule. Yes. And I don't think it's going to change that much because we're still working in the background, you know, preparing more episodes and we're going to actually, it'll be more content in the long run. So it'll yeah, be awesome. So you'll still get the same good episodes. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate it because that helps with the algorithm and all that stuff. Um, yeah. And you can still keep in touch with whatever we're doing. And that's awesome. So don't forget, set your sights high and aim for the moon.